Take your Bible, Psalm 127. I'll apologize for my voice again. And if I remember right, it was this exact same time last year, I believe, on Vision Sunday. And uh, I remember struggling through, uh, given uh, our prayer sheet and different things like that. And uh, just, it's God's way of keeping me humble and uh, reminding him it's not about me. And uh, we praise the Lord for that. I appreciate that. I really do. Uh, look there with me at Psalm 127. And we're going to read again verses 1 through 5, Psalm 127. Look there with me. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Would you read verse number one with me again tonight? Psalm 127, verse number one. Ready, begin. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. We're talking about building God's way. It's going to be our theme for uh, our Sunday evening services throughout the year. Some practical applications to building our relationships in our home and uh, the relationships outside of our home. I do believe God's going to direct us, but it's here that we have to lay a foundation. And tonight is really still kind of in that foundation laying for our series. Looking forward to reviewing just a little bit And then we're going to take the last half of the message and talk about this thought, sweet rest, sweet rest. We asked ourselves a question at the end of last Sunday night, how well do you sleep? How well do you sleep? And God wants to give you sweet rest. We read there in verse number two, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. We're going to take some time and talk about what that means this evening. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege we have tonight to look at your word. We recognize that we need your help. This is your word, not ours. We want to hear from your spirit. And so we pray that you open up our hearts and minds, that your Holy Spirit would be active tonight. Help us not only to hear, but Father, help us to listen to your Holy Spirit as he makes application. Lord, we're laying a foundation and we recognize that we need your help with that. And so we do pray that you'd meet with us. Father, fill me as the preacher, each one of us as listeners. May we be better for what we've heard. May you give us some practical things that we can take with us and even consider this week as we strive to live for you. And we'll thank and praise you for it in the name of your son, Jesus. We ask these things. Amen. I want to take a little bit of time tonight and review what we talked about last week. The first thing we said last week was the work of man has its place. The work of man has its place. God is not calling you and I to idle living idle working or idle parenting, we still have to put the effort in. We have to put the time in. We have to put the work in. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse number 10 tells us, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. There is no work nor device nor knowledge nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Do it with your might. Romans 12, we read verse number 11 this morning, not slothful in business. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is 
telling the church there, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. What was Paul saying? Paul said, I was given a great measure of grace, but I labored alongside of it. It was God's grace that gave me the ability to labor, but there was some effort that went into the building. Colossians 3.23, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, heartily, as unto the Lord and not unto men. James 4, go to now, you say today and tomorrow we will buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what is your life. It is but a vapor that appeareth for a short time and then vanisheth away. And, and once again, there's that go to now, put the effort in now, work, work now. The work of man has its place. If we think God is going to bless laziness or he's going to reward slothfulness or he's going to anoint the head of the sluggard, then we have our thinking wrong. God does not bless laziness. But also, on the other hand, if we think that, God is, that everything relies on us, if we think that everything hinges on our efforts or that we have to work it all out or it's our effort that will overcome or that it's our time that will fix all the problems, then we also have our thinking wrong. What Scripture is telling us here in this passage is that if you think the success of your home or marriage or class or ministry or business rests solely on you, then you are going to be in for a big disappointment. If I feel like the ministry of Shawnee Baptist Church rests on me, then we're all going to be disappointed. The work of man has its place, but it is of little use without the work of God. No house building or city watching is successful, which leaves God out of the equation. Except God build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except God watches the city or keeps the city. The watchman waketh but in vain. You see, the workmen should work and we should work and the watchman should watch and, and we should watch. But God's work and blessing is needed to truly build lasting homes and to tru truly keep our city or our ministries. We said it last week, your home needs more than just you. It needs God. And your marriage needs more than just you. It needs God. And your Sunday school class needs more than just you, though it needs you. It needs God. And that bus that you're trying to build, it does need you. It needs your time, your effort, and involvement, but it needs more than you. It needs God. And no doubt if you're a, a businessman here tonight, yes, your business needs you. But your business also needs God's hand of blessing. The work of man has its place, but it's of little use without the work and blessings of God. There was that key word that we read, unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. Vain, worthless, or little value and to think tonight that we could labor and give much effort and much work towards something and it'd be worthless? I don't know about you, that scares me. To think that I could try so hard in my parenting and my wife and I could check all those boxes that parents should check and yet in the end it'd be vain, that's a scary thought to me. 
we're reminded if it rests solely on us, we'll be in for a great disappointment because without God's blessing and hand, it'll be vain. So what is the key to building? What is the key to keeping watch over our families or over our cities? Or what is the key to building our homes? We said it last week, it's faith. 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 Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, or he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I've defined it before in this way, faith is believing God is who he says he is and will do the things that he says he will do, but that is just one side of faith. Because God said, faith without works is dead. I can believe God for his promises, but if I do not do my part in scripture, I don't see the fulfillment of his promises. You see, it's a two-sided coin, it's both faith and work. It's trust in God, reliance on God, and then working for God. It's, it's both sides of those. And it doesn't matter what we're doing, if it's going to be successful, we've got to have faith. It'd be foolish for just whatever it is. We think about preaching a sermon. And certainly we would recognize there's a necessity to study and prepare and pray. There's a necessity to deliver, but the studying and delivering is worthless if God is not involved in it. Faith is needed for everything. I mean, consider dropping your kid off at school. You know, it, it takes faith, right? I can't be with my kid every hour that they're going to be at school, and so what is it? It's working on my part to try to put them in a place that I believe is safe, but at the end of the day, I've got to have faith that God's going to take care of them anyways. It's both sides of the coin. It's trusting God and working. Parenting, isn't that what parenting is? Parenting, it takes faith. It takes faith to trust God for my kid's life and then do everything that I'm supposed to do, everything that he tells me to do. And so I work and I work and I work following the principles that he's laid out for me. And in the end, I've got to just trust him that he's going to take care of the rest of it. That's what we're talking about in this series, except God builds the house. They labor in vain that build it. It takes faith, God building it, but then labor on our side, that two-sided coin. And it's not going to happen unless he is in it. But he's going to use you to do it. Let's transition this evening to verse number two. Anyone losing sleep? Anyone feeling like they have no rest in their labor or in their watching? Stress, decisions, work, worry. You are working to build a home. And you're laboring to watch over a city, and it is exhausting, right? It's an exhausting work. I want you to look at what Solomon says next here in verse number two. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. There's a wonderful truth here. When you and I exercise faith in our working 
and our watching, God gives rest in our work. Let me say it again. When you and I exercise faith in our building and our watching, God gives his beloved sleep. Now, I believe we have to preface this evening what Solomon is not saying. This text is not saying that no one should ever rise early. Oh, man. I thought that was excuse not to have to set my alarm. It doesn't mean that there's never a reason for someone to stay up late. Do a, do a quick word search of rise up early in Scripture. And you're going to find out that Abraham rose early, Jacob rose early, Samuel rose early, Moses, Joshua, David rose early, Elisha and Elisha's servant rose early, Hezekiah rose early, Isaiah rose early, Jeremiah rose early, the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, she rises early. It's good company to get up early. God's not, the Solomon is not telling us that it's, it's vain just to get up early. There's certainly a necessity for, for us to get up. He's not saying that every time you stay up that that's vain or worthless. The mark of a slothful man and the sluggard is there much sleep. Proverbs tells us, as the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. In Proverbs 6, 9, how long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth in thy want as an armed man. It's not that he's abolishing getting up early or staying up late. It's not inherently wrong to do either. So then what is vain? As he tells us, it's vain to rise up early and to stay up late. Here it is, it's vain or worthless to rise up early and stay up late trying to make things happen on our own. Trying to make things happen on our own. You can get up before everyone else does to the work, but if God is not in it, it's vain. You can stay up later than everyone else putting that extra time and effort into it, but what Solomon is saying, unless God is in it, unless his hand is building or he's keeping the city, it is in vain. But there's much more than that. There's an interesting phrase here that that you and I don't use all the time, that I believe we need to look at tonight. Look what, it, look what it says. It's vain to rise up early, to sit up late. Notice what he says. To eat the bread of sorrows. To eat the bread of sorrows. Now, that, that phrase, it, it caught my attention. It caught my attention. The word sorrows there, in the Hebrew defined out, and I can't pronounce the Hebrew word, but... It means an earthen vessel or painful toil. Also, and then he uses a word that, that's not in, that I don't use, a pang, P-A-N-G. So I had to look that up. It's a sudden, sharp pain or a painful emotion. The root of this Hebrew word means to worry or to grieve. He said it's vain for you and I to eat the bread of sorrows. Let me offer some examples. You put that definition together. What, 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 what would be some examples, Pastor Steve, of what that means? I'm glad you asked tonight. 
okay? You know, it would be rather vain for us to work so hard throughout the day and be so tired that we sit down to eat and we're so tired we can't eat. Um, have you ever sat at dinner with tension? Right? Where did the tension come from? Well, you were working all day, you got up real early, you left the home, and the kids had a bad day at home, your wife is exhausted, you stay late, you did some things that you wanted to do on your own, and you come back, and you have dinner, and there's tension at dinner. You know what that is? That's the bread of sorrow. Uh, A stressed relationship, because you've neglected your family for work. Now, once again, we're not complaining about work. But if my life is only about work, I've got my priorities out of order. There's got to be some reliance on God to take care of things. Exhaustion that comes from doing too much. That's eating the bread of sorrow. Worry from having too much on your plate. Not being able to sleep because you are anxious over what tomorrow holds. I believe that's what he's teaching us. We're staying up late worrying and and planning and stressing over what happened today or what hasn't happened yet tomorrow. And it's robbing our early morning or it's robbing our late night and we are literally sitting there eating the bread of sorrow, disappointed about your position or lack of success, struggling with discontentment, losing sleep over what could have been or what might be. Waking and worrying over situations or circumstances, grieving over past mistakes or missed opportunities. I believe every single one of these is what Solomon was trying to teach us. It was eating the bread of sorrow. We know in context that it's literally missing out on sleep and rest because you are trying to make things happen on your own and worrying about them. Why do we eat the bread of sorrow? Doesn't taste very good, does it? Why do we eat the bread of sorrow? Let me offer you just a few quick reasons tonight. Sometimes we're relying on self to make it happen. God is out of the equation and we're plugging on full steam ahead and it's all dependent on us. Well, when it's all dependent on us, guess what? We eat the bread of sorrow. Because you and I are going to find that we're not enough on our own. That we can't build it on our own, that it can't be successful with just our hard work and our effort, that we need God to build the house or to keep the city. And so why do we eat the bread of sorrows? Well, well, sometimes it comes because we're relying on self to make it happen. We stay up late thinking, well, maybe I missed something. Maybe I need to do something different, eating the bread of sorrow. Sometimes we eat the bread of sorrow because we're knowingly acting outside of the will of God. I bet you've never done that, have you? You've never knowingly acted outside of God's will. Wasn't that Jonah? God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, and what did Jonah say? No. And so Jonah headed the other way. I believe the belly of that giant fish was eating the bread of sorrow. Why? He was knowingly going against what God had asked. And you and I can't expect to go 
and do something opposite than God's will and expect it to succeed. Why else do we eat the bread of sorrow? Well, sometimes we're trying to get God's blessings on something that he's not going to bless. How many understand tonight that God's not going to bless anything contradictory to his word? It doesn't matter how much time and effort we put into it. If his word disagrees with it, he's not going to bless it. If it's not something that he has for us, he's not going to put a stamp of approval on it. And sometimes we, we spin our wheels and it causes us to lose sleep. We, we rise up early and we stay up late trying to make it happen. Trying to get God to bless it, but in the end it's contradictory to his word. And so we know he's not going to bless it. Why else do we eat the bread of sorrows? Well, sometimes, let's be honest, we haven't put the time and effort that we need to put into something. We're eating the bread of sorrows into our marriage because we've not taken time to invest in our marriage. We're eating the bread of sorrows in our parenting because we've paused from parenting. I spoke about it, I, th I think I mentioned it last week. Sometimes it would be nice to press the pause button. Don't grow anymore, children. Just stay exactly where you are. I think, I think I've got you figured out for a day. And then a week later, you're like, who, who are these children? Not my children. <laughs> my children. But sometimes we eat the bread of sorrows because we've not invested like we should. We've procrastinated. I mean, every, everybody works well in the last minute, don't they? Sometimes we eat the bread of sorrows. We have to rise early and stay up late because we put things off that we knew we sh should have done earlier. Sometimes we eat the bread of sorrows because we've been lazy about something. And that lazy has brought extra stress. And that laziness has brought worry. And the laziness has brought anxiety. It's brought all of those things. We eat the bread of sorrows. Losing sleep over work or worry shows us, listen to this, that we're relying on self and not on him. And that's the great combination of what the psalmist is trying to tell us. There's a part for us to do. But there's also a part that he has to do. We have to put labor and effort into it. But we also have to have his hand of blessing on it as well. It needs those two things. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Here's the question tonight, and how do we get good sleep, right? That's what we want. If he gives his beloved sleep, I want that sleep. I want that rest that he's talking about here in verse number two. I believe tonight there's two questions that you and I need to be able to give the right answer to to get this divine rest that Solomon is talking about. They both stem, these questions stem from verse number one. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord keeps the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. Two questions, I'm going to give them to you. I'll explain them just for a moment, and then we'll pray. Question number one. How do I get rest, this divine rest? Well, well number one, has God led you to do what you're doing? Has God led you to do what you're doing? And then number two, have you given your best effort? Have you given your best effort? 
If you can answer yes to these two questions, then let's be honest. There's no reason for you to lose sleep or stay up with concern over your circumstances. If God has led me to do what I'm doing, and I've put my effort in it, and I can answer yes to both of those, then I don't need to eat the bread of sorrows over my circumstances. That, that doesn't mean there'll be no problems and no challenges. That doesn't mean there's not going to be any disappointments or defeats. It doesn't mean that everything's going to work out perfectly just as we planned. How many understand tonight that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts? It doesn't mean everything's going to, be, is going to work out exactly like we want it to work out. It doesn't mean necessarily our kids are going to turn out perfect or without error. But it does mean that we can do what we're supposed to do and we can leave the rest up to him knowing that he's the one that has to work it all out. Let me say it again. It does mean that we can do what we're supposed to do and then we can leave the rest up to him knowing that he is the one that has to work it all out. And what is that? It's what we talked about last week. It's faith. Listen tonight, if God has led you to the place you're at to do what you're doing and you are giving your best effort, there's no reason to lose sleep over it. You know, if God, God, has, God has led my wife and I to be parents, right? We got four of them. And then he's given us a road map on how to raise them, how to build them God's way. There's work on our part. I think we all understand that this evening. But on the other side of that, there's trust in him that he's going to keep his promises. And I don't need to lose sleep over how my kids turn out one day if I'm putting the effort that I'm supposed to put in and I'm trusting God to take care of his side. How many are with me tonight? You know, with our, with our marriage, I don't need to worry about our marriage if I'm putting the effort that I'm supposed to put in and I'm having faith to trust God to take care of his part. When it comes to this church, you know, I've not I've been pastoring four and a half, four and a half years. I can count on, on one hand the number of sleepless nights or waking up and worrying about things. My wife can attest to it. I sleep really well. <clears throat> Maybe a little too hard sometimes. You mean, Pastor Steve, there's been no financial problems that you were concerned about? I didn't say that. You mean there's been no trials or no difficulties that, that caused you to maybe think a little bit longer on? I didn't say that. You mean everything has just worked out perfectly, just as you planned? I didn't say that either. But what I'm trying to tell you tonight is we believe that this is where God has us. 
And if we put the effort in that we're supposed to put in, I don't have to lose sleep over it. Why? Because he's the one that has to build it. He's the one that has to keep it. Sometimes you and I put undue pressure on our shoulders because of our lack of faith. And that undue pressure causes us to rise early and stay up late, eating the bread of sorrows, missing out on the rest that God gives his beloved. You say, Pastor Steve, why does this work? Because if I have given my best effort and God has led me to do what I'm doing, listen, I can place the results in his hand. God's the one who's given us children. He's given Mary and I a book to live by and to put into practice. And if I'm doing my part, then I can put it in his hands. Now, whatever outcome, and Lord knows we don't know the outcome, but whatever outcome it is, I can trust him for it. And it doesn't matter what area of your life, anything that needs to be built or watched over fits in this exact same principle. I, I believe that's what Jesus meant when he said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. What is he telling us? That there is a burden that you and I can't bury, carry. There is a burden that is too heavy for us. And when we try to carry it, let's be honest, we don't sleep very well. And when we try to carry what shouldn't be on our shoulders, we don't rest very well. And we do stress and we do worry and we do have anxiety over everything in life. But if we'll learn to do our part and then to trust God, it's, it's literally handing Jesus the load. It's yoking up with him. And he says, you'll have rest. Sweet rest. Doing what we know to do while trusting him for the outcome. We have our part but he has his part. And if we'll let him have his part, I believe you and I will experience what the psalmist says when he says he gives his beloved sleep. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the thoughts tonight. I do pray that you'd help us with this truth. The next time that we find ourselves eating the bread of sorrow, I pray that you'd remind us that it's because either we're not working or we're not having faith. It is easy for us <coughs> to rely on ourselves. Certainly there's an action on our part, but God, you have a much bigger part. I pray that we would have the privilege of experiencing this rest, this sleep, as Solomon speaks of. Help us to do our part and at the same time recognize that there's a part that you must do and be content with you doing that. 
Help us to catch the truth, make it applicable to our lives even this week. And we'll thank and praise you for it in the name of your son Jesus. We ask these things. Amen. As we stand to our feet this evening, the piano is going to play.